Welcome back to the Loftcast after a great win on Saturday in Ian Holloway's first match in charge. We're back and we're looking ahead to next Saturday's game, another East Anglian team that we face in the shape of Ipswich Town. On today's episode, we'll hear exclusively from Joel Lynch and we'll look back at that fantastic start to life under Ian Holloway at Loftus Road, a 2-1 victory and a great, great way to get going. Fans have felt that Cherry has been their best player and it's a wonderful pass from Enzo Bolton, yes. but he's asked, but he can't get a hold of it and Queen's Park Rangers extend their lead. The ball was played forward to Sebastian Polter. Ruddy came out, couldn't stop the shot from the German. Queen's Park Rangers 2, Norwich City 0. Andy Sinton and Andy Watkins, um, thanks for joining us on the Loftcast this week. Um, positivity is streaming through Harlington as we prepare for this podcast, looking ahead to a busy week ahead. Um, Andy, the perfect start for Ian Holloway and Mark Bertram on Saturday against Norwich City. It was fantastic. Uh, it was a great week. You know, you could feel the the excitement um, once he was appointed. Then Birch comes in. Uh, you know, the, the excitement got ramped up again. And the closer he got to Saturday, for the first time this season, I was driving in. And I was really look. I always look forward to getting to Loftus Road, but really looking forward to, to getting to Loftus Road. Probably with the first time since the opening day, it's felt like that. A real sense of you know uh, a new beginning. Um, I had been at the training ground a couple of times, you know, and speaking to players uh, very loosely or uh, quietly, sort of thing. But they were buoyed by what Ian had done. Uh, bearing in mind, he's only been in the door four days, five days, three days on the training ground. But you know, he's infectious, um, and it was great. But going back to the game, what a game, what a start. Well, what a start, you know, with <laughs> the opening minute. But you know, the the, the whole place. That's what Loftus Road Ian used to be like, you know noisy. I, I say to people, when the team's performing, it's the best place to play. And I've took guests to the games over recent seasons and they go, what are you talking about, Andy? It's flat, it's dull, it's dead. But, you know, Saturday was back to how it used to be and long may that continue. And Andy, from your point of view, you said you'd never seen positivity like it on social media. Obviously, yeah. you look after all our social media channels and I guess that heightened after Saturday as well. Yeah, it was very strange the last sort of week or so. so it's usually our kind of job to kind of get try and get the fans up and motivated for the the weekend. But I think Ollie and Birch did that <coughs> did that for us. We didn't really have to do much at all. And yeah, on Saturday, I remember when when Ollie arrived and um, myself and Paul were down the tunnel and Ollie kissed the badge at the uh, <laughs> this is Loftus Road. And I think that kind of got the the place buzzing. If it you know it didn't need much. And then you know when when Ollie and Birch came out at, at kickoff, I don't think. In my time here, I've heard a, a roar quite like that when they, they were introduced just before the whistle. And I think, yeah, like you say, we didn't really need to do much because the whole, you know, since Ollie was, was appointed and then Birch a few days later, you know, it's really got the fans sort of back on, on board and really looking forward to, you know, they've got that enthusiasm back for the, the club and you could, you could really sense that on Saturday. And the game itself was, like you say, Andy, was remarkable. 64 seconds in, and <laughs> there's a red card and a penalty. And... I don't know, well, you, were, you were on the gantry, weren't you? But yeah. I don't think anybody really knew at the time why a red card had been given. People were jumping to conclusion and saying it was a handball on the line or something along those lines. Did you have a good view from where you were? Not really. Um, first of all, I thought, I thought throw, yeah. from where I was, it looked like it was over the line. Well, you go back to the throw and you know that that, that wasn't a fluke. I was here Friday. They spent 10 minutes, 15 minutes working on that. So if you've got something like Robbo's throw in your armoury, use it. You know, it's... 
it's as good as a corner. I think that one went middle of the goal. Um, you know, but from where I was, I thought it was over the line. What's he give? Has he give a free kick to them sort of thing? Then all of a sudden you you understand or you, you get a feeling of what he has given. But I have to say, yeah, it seemed an eternity from when the action stopped to Sharon having to step up and take the penalty. And, uh, you know, emotions must have been all over the place, certainly for the new manager. You know, what a start. We've got a penalty. They're down to 10 men. Oh, we've missed a penalty. How do we go about the next sort of five or six minutes, change formations, etc., etc.? So in that first five or six minutes, it was a real whirlwind. And then credit to the guys, though, for responding because Chiron, who you, I said before he took it, I put my mortgage on him scoring because he's so good from 12 yards. Um, then having missed that spot kick, it took real balls and guts to just dig in see out the next five or so minutes where Norwich, to be fair, responded fairly well and then really take the game by the scruff of its neck midway through the half with two well-taken goals. Well, as I say, first of all, with Sharon, you know, he's got an unbelievable... I think that's the first one he's missed, you might correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure, right. he, I'm sure he hasn't missed one, you know, so you, you, you're banking on him to score that. He's just dragged it wide. But if I could just make a point about him, a lesser player with a lesser mental strength might have just spent the next 15 minutes sulking, going missing. I actually think he raised his game. And that was a performance of Sharon Cherry that I was actually purring about. Some of the things he was doing, he played with confidence. You know, he his ball for the second goal was sublime, which we'll come to in a minute, I'm sure. But a great performance, not only from him, uh, but from the rest of the team. 21 minutes, we get the goal. Delighted for Connor Washington. You know, um, he's had a frustrating time. He's a goal scorer. He's been played what I feel is out of position. But he's back playing with someone, off someone, centrally. And, and it was Seb's knockdown, I think, wasn't it, for uh, the... Sharon's corner, the Seb's knockdown, and a, 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 I would say a poacher's goal, which you'll, which you'll get. So, um, but credit to the manager. He's found a way after four or five days of working with the players of getting two strikers into the team. Not only getting two strikers into the team, keeping Sharon Cherry, albeit for the first five minutes until we had a change, or he changed it, in a very prominent number 10 role. Two wing-backs bombing up and Yeah, because everybody in the build-up to the game was saying, well, well... Cherry won't be Ollie's kind of player because he want to play two up front. So then, ta then how's he going to play Chiron Cherry? But he fitted him in well. And you just look at that formation. I'm sure we'll touch on it. But what I was very impressed with Ollie was his in-game management of the formation. Oh, without a doubt. I think there's Paul touched on it last week when we're talking on the pod. You know, people sometimes don't give Ollie the credit he deserves as a football manager in terms of his tactical astuteness, awareness. Uh, because he's a character, he says a few things, he courts a little bit of controversy with what he says. Behind that is a successful manager who knows what it's like to get out of this uh, league. He's done it. Um, knows what it likes within games to change things. Um, I think he'll be flexible. He'll find a way to win games. He'll, he'll chop and change. And I think, I, I think that's the mark of a really, really good manager. So, yeah, he's gone with a new formation because of what happened to the opposition. He's changed that almost immediately, where we'll start with three at the back. Norwich only played one up front, so we don't need three against one, so he's pushed Grant Hall in the middle of the park. What and he then at that stage, he went banks of twos, he said. He didn't want any natural width as such. He yep. wanted two in front, two in front of them, and then two Yeah, very strong, very strong down the, uh, the centre of the park, but I think a lot of people might not have picked up. I think what he did with Sharon Cherry was really, really clever. He almost took him out of a number 10 role and played him in between, uh, centrally and wide. And that forced Norwich's, one of their most creative players, uh, Brady, to almost have to 
play as a left back uh, and couldn't get forward. So again, in-house game management, 10 out of 10. You mentioned the atmosphere, Andy, and um, the atmosphere in the second half, again, picked up where it left off in the first half until we got to about the 75th minute mark, which is always a, a worry when it's a 2-0 scoreline. The third goal in, at that stage of the game is crucial. Rangers just seemed, and you sensed it in the stand, and we, we were obviously in the media section, um, in the press box there was one or two saying this next 15 minutes is very important and then they get a goal back Stephen Naismith nods home unmarked from six yards and you're thinking come on boys hang in there you could sense then that there was a real nervousness around the stadium yeah and um, lo and behold I think it was things were going a little bit too uh, too well um, I think it was about 60 minutes and uh, I stupidly put a tweet out saying that QPR were in complete control um, and I knew, as I said that, that things were probably going to take a turn for the worse. And lo and behold, we, there was just a sort of, yeah, a 10 minute spell where we kind of just gave the initiative back to Norwich and you kind of, I think they hit the crossbar and you just suddenly thought, you know, if they do get a goal back, then it could be a bit of a, a nervy finish. And um, it was exactly that. And yeah, I can't remember feeling that nervous. So it reminded me of the Premier League days where we went through that really <laughs> bad spell of conceding late, late goals. And I just thought, no, don't, don't let it happen again. Because we'd, We'd been we'd played so, so good well to stage. for about an hour, and then from nowhere we were we were absolutely hanging on in the last few minutes and just trying to get it clear to anywhere. And I remember Meday, I think I think we had a corner, and Meday sprinted back because you know, they had a, a two-on-two yeah. or something yeah. like they that. And yeah, he did both. What's going on here? You know, we just need to to see it out. And yeah, like you say, we I know Ollie mentioned it afterwards. You know, if we'd got that third goal, you know, easier said than done. Then uh, we would have we'd have been cruising. Fifth, but yeah, yeah, like you say, yeah, the atmosphere was great, and then. You could just feel that nervousness, you know, the last 10 minutes and then the, just the, the relief, I think, at the end when the, the final whistle went. Because I think, you know, obviously we deserve to, to win the game. I don't think anyone could argue that. But, you know, credit to Norwich with 10 men for, for pretty much 90 minutes. They, in the end, they made it, made it hard for us. How difficult as a former player speaking, Andy? This is Andy Sinter, not Andy Watkins, because Andy Watkins has never played at a high level. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. How <laughs> difficult is it to play against 10 men? Because people often say, oh, you played against 10 men for 89 minutes, which is very rare. Norwich were always going to have a spell of some sorts, weren't they? But I know that certainly you, you with your old managerial head on and, and Ollie, who we've spoken to this morning, he was alarmed somewhat at how deep Rangers were. Well, first of all, answer your first question. It can be quite difficult to play against 10 men because uh, if I'm Alex Neal um, in Norwich's dressing room with all that's happened to QPR the week before, you know, the euphoria of Ian coming back, I'll be saying for the first 20 minutes, just quiet in the crowd, dampen the, dampen the spirits, keep nice and tight. They lose a player, so they're not going to, once they've lost a the player and the penalty's been missed, they've almost got a let off. So they're not going to come out and be expensive. They're going to sit in and wait and frustrate. And I think six or seven minutes in, the goalkeeper took an absolute, John Reddy took an eternity over a free kick. This was six minutes in. So that's what 10 men can do to you or do And like you're yeah, sitting you. with the two banks of four still. Exactly. So and you're still, you've still got, effectively in the final third, you've still got the same eight players to break down. Exactly. Nothing, nothing changes. So it can become a little bit harder. And I think... It could have possibly worked against us because the expectation with Ollie coming back, Birch coming back, biggest crowd of the season, Norwich not on a great run but a good side. You know, the expectation was we'll win. Once they went down to 10 men, well, we're definitely going to win. Yeah. It's, this is now going to be, you know, five, dr six, seven, dream yeah. factory. You know, we've just yeah. got to flood the box and get loads of crosses in. And blah. It doesn't quite work like that, but credit to the boys. They they kept knocking at the door and they got, they got the early goal 
not, not the early goal, but 21 minutes, I think we got the first goal. And quite critically for me, we followed it up six minutes later with a second. Mm. Um, and as I say, you could see the confidence coming back, the way we were playing, bodies piling forward, crosses going in, and you saw the crowd's reaction. But then, like we do say, alarmingly, we dr did drop so deep in that final 10, 15 minutes. I think Oddie made a point of saying that at one <laughs> stage, they were as deep as Shepherd's Bush Green. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how how do you rectify that? Is that just something that comes to a lack of confidence through playing at home where our, our form and our results have been I think what you saw the last 20 minutes was... Um, what did Ollie refer to it as were you this morning? <laughs> he, he just said they got that deep. He said if it wasn't for the net, I would have lost the players. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was, he's, he's come out with a few funny things. But he was just talking about, you know, being brave. I'm on commentary and I'm saying the same. I can, I can see him waving his... But... I think what happened the last 20 minutes um, was probably a, a culmination of previous games, previous results. At 2-0, the game's almost won. Almost won. But you know when they score, and they did with 15, 16 minutes to go, goals change games, and Norwich are a good side. You're quite right. They were going to have a spell in the game. So, yep, got deep. Holly, I think, referred it to nerves a little bit. Now, people will say, well, what are you getting nervous for? When you've played the game at the highest level, you, you're caring so much, you, you're almost going to protect mode, uh, which you're trying to do the right thing, but you're actually doing the wrong thing because you had the initiative to the opposition. And they were coming, and you know, they've got players of the likes of Naismith, and they put Cameron Jerome on, and um, Jacob Murphy was a threat, you know, for, for Norwich. So, uh, Ollie will have a few things to work on. He wants them to be brave, he wants them to get out of that habit, but that will come from winning games and confidence. So, um, I can understand why it happens. The sooner we can stop doing it, the better. Joel Lynch, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Fresh-faced after uh, winning Saturday, although you did say you're absolutely knackered because um, that role that you played on uh, Saturday was somewhat different to what you've been used to so far this season. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I started at centre-half and uh, I was sort of... Uh, I went in half-time and I felt, I felt pretty good. I was quite surprised and... Uh, and they changed it, and I went on a left back. I was a, like the manager said, I was up and down the wing, so uh, it was a bit of a blow for me. But um, I come through it all right, and I feel fine. I'm just uh, might need a few more days recovery. <laughs> more importantly, though, it was a winning start uh, to life under Ian Holloway. And I guess if you look back at the game itself, it was action packed, wasn't it? 60 seconds in, and a red card. What, as a player, what are your emotions when something that big happens so early in the game? Uh, obviously, I was just as excited as everyone else. Really, I think um, I think we went into the game, we approached the game, and uh, confident. Do you know what I mean? And uh, everyone was buzzing. Uh, obviously, the fans were buzzing. It was a great atmosphere. And to start off like that, the way it did, it was a bit of an up and down. Obviously, with Cherry missing the penalty, but uh, I was just unfortunate. But um, the way we approached the game before the game, with a lot of confidence, so I was feeling great. And, so the rest of the lads going into the game and it sort of it showed, I think, in the way we played at times. And credit to Chiron because he could have easily let his head drop <coughs> after missing that penalty. I think often, and I'm, I'm sure you've probably never as a defender taken many penalties in, in your time, but <coughs> there was that three or four minute, wasn't there, gap between the red card, yeah. Martin Olsen actually leaving the pitch and then Chiron stepping up. And as a professional footballer, when there's so much going on around you, I mean, Norwich delayed the tactics quite well, didn't they? Yeah. John Ruddy then took a little bit of a while to get back on his line. And I guess from Chiron's point of view, not that he'd look for an excuse, but 
that may have been the reason behind it because his record up until then from the spot kick is uh, absolutely outstanding. Yeah, obviously, the, all the pressure's on him. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, Cherry, I, I, I know he's a good player and it, it's just on, on the Saturday after, obviously, he's missed a penalty, but watching him in the game, he's doing things and I'm thinking just, like, he's just a fantastic player to watch and to have in your team, we're just lucky to have him in our team. So, the things he was doing after the penalty, like, um, just showed his character and whatever, but... Uh, Obviously, the pressure on a penalty taker. I mean, my, I, my legs would have been shaking all over places <laughs> if I had to take that penalty. But um, yeah, it's all down to him, and unfortunately, he missed. But it's just uh, his performance in the rest of the game is brilliant. Credit to the guys, though, because having having missed that penalty, you could have easily just slipped back, and then the nerves might have potentially crept in a little bit. But two quick fire goals. Um, great for Connor to be playing up front, which is where he wants to be playing to put us 1-0 up and then as you say Cherry provides an unbelievable through ball for Sebastian Poulter and Poulter does what he does best and, and finishes and makes it too yeah definitely I think I've always like thought in the, played in the championship and like thought that uh, to be a successful team you always need your strikers like fire and you need them confident and whatever and it's great for them both to get their goals I mean uh, I think they're both like uh, really good championship strikers and, and all they need is their confidence and getting those goals is going to help them push on and uh, Obviously, um, I think uh, as well after the penalty, I think the way the manager sort of changed our shape into a even more attacking. With Hawley pushing into midfield yeah, yeah, almost. To, to put the pressure on them, it, it worked perfectly and uh, all credit to that as well. So, um, yeah, it's just good, it's good to see. I mean, I think Poults gets his goals and whatever, but it's great to see Connor. I think Connor works hard, really hard every single day and it's good that he's... Uh, He's got his goal and hopefully he'll, he'll kick on. And it, you talk about kicking on and there were chances for a third, a fourth and even maybe a fifth at times. But Norwich, as you would expect from a side that retained a lot of their players from their demotion down from the Premier League last year, they stuck at it, didn't they? And then when they score with a quarter of an hour or so to go, you could just sense there was a bit of nervousness around the stadium. As players, did you sense that as well? Uh, obviously a little bit. We spoke about it actually after the game. I think the manager wanted us... Uh, to keep pressing on even more and we sort of sat back after they scored their goal which was sort of it might just be like a confidence thing I think mm. in the past uh, um, late on we sort of we've, we've been on edge and, uh, and struggled been on the back foot but uh, obviously the manager has got a, a new style of, of play and a new way of wanting us to think so um, in the future I think it'll be more positive and you'll see us definitely obviously staying in games more but um, coming strong at the end of games I think was it a sense of relief at full time because QPR's home form this season hasn't been what you as players would have liked to have been? So there, there seemed to be almost an outpouring of emotion at full time. <laughs> I guess it's always going to be emotional where Ian Holloway is concerned, um, being yeah. back at Loftus Road. But as players, there almost seemed to be that sense of relief as well. Yeah, well, I'm, I actually <laughs> remember, I just said in the dressing room just then, um, I actually fell to my knees at the end of the game. So I was so relieved and so happy. But I think... Um, uh, just the way the week's been since the manager's come in, everything has sort of come together and it, it was almost written, do you know what I mean? And, and it might not have been the perfect performance. I mean, we could have, I think we maybe could have got a few more goals and whatever, but we got the three points against a, a, a top championship side and, and we sort of showed in in bits what we can do. And I think it's just an all-round positive day for the club and, and uh, definitely a stepping stone to sort of kick forward and, and move on. You touched on there, Joel, about uh, Ian or Holly uh, being in for a week and the impact he's made. One of the first things he did, first of all, for yourself, uh, straight back in the, or straight into the site, which is pleasing for you, um, but also a, a new formation for everyone to to, ha to have a look at. 
when did he when did he find out about that how much work went into it um, and probably the reasoning behind it uh, we've sort of been touching on it all week sort of working on it working on all, all kinds of different stuff uh, all, all the managers ideas all week and uh, the three at the back sort of came in midway through the week and I think a few of us well I've definitely played it before like the three of us have all played it so we're sort of used to it but the manager has his own way of playing it and um, I think well, that's it can be a very attack minded formation can't it yeah definitely I think um, I think the teams at the minute this championship sort of changing and the teams at the minute who are doing well have sort of got their own identity like uh, teams will, teams uh, that you've got to set out to play against do you know what I mean and I think that three that three at the back that sort of formation is, is something that once I mean the team's doing it well it's hard to play against do you know what I mean and I think if we can we can crack that we'll have our own identity and uh, it'll definitely make us a more attacking attack minded team and he touched on your role within the game you know start as a left of three uh, went to the left of two when uh, when they pushed Grant into midfield but the second half due to Robbo's injury you became uh, a marauding left wing back and I think the manager has gone on record as saying you were a little bit like Di Stefano from years ago do you know about Di Stefano but uh, all joking aside how did you find the role because as I say I played there myself. You were excellent. Cheers. Um, well, obviously at half time I was a bit. I, I wouldn't say I was annoyed or whatever, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's hard for me when I thought I was doing so well at centre half and and I was comfortable. Do you know what I mean? Uh, to go to left back, obviously, uh, it's something that I've done before. But um, the, the game was sort of it, it opened up for me, and I had a lot of chance to get up and down that wing and, and that was just my role really so marauding runs beating people little stepper from time <laughs> yeah, to time sometimes yeah, a couple of crosses I, I would have certainly been proud of but uh, <laughs> but from your point of view with a new manager coming in I actually think he singled you and a couple of others out after the game so that must be really really pleasing as well manager coming in first game must be from a personal point of view as well as the team winning but from your point of view for the manager to single you out yeah, was fully with confidence I mean yeah just uh, the fact that he he put me straight in the team and gave me a lot of confidence and, and, I, and I felt that way in the game I think it sort of showed in my game as well where where at times may I, maybe I would have rushed things and sort of give the safe option I was I was I wasn't say I was taking risks but um I was a lot more relaxed and and a lot of my play sort of showed that and and obviously it's just came with confidence of being picked and being in the team so if the manager's going to put that faith in me and it's going to just keep giving me more and more confidence. And that's a big thing, is it? Not only for you, but for all the players here. And that's what Ollie will do. He'll instill confidence. He'll allow you to make mistakes. He wants you to be on the front foot, as I say. Yeah. So what a great start, not only for you, but for the rest of the boys. Yeah, of course. And yeah, I think uh, obviously not just myself. It's not just about me, but the, the rest of the team. Uh, I think it showed in a lot of a lot of people's play during the game and the whole team, the confidence and sort of us stepping on and the way we attacked and. And obviously that's what the manager's done in in a week. So, and all together, obviously, we'll just uh, see what we can do for the rest of the season. Going back uh, this time last week, you you trained. You had your first session under Ollie on Monday morning, and then you spent Monday afternoon watching Coach Carter. How was that? And is that the first time you've ever watched a film with a group of teammates with a new manager at the helm? Yeah, I'd heard like a sort of rumor in the morning, <laughs> and a few of us heard a rumor about the thing, but I thought it was just a joke at first. But um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a different different experience and a different approach to it. But I mean, did you sense it had an impact though with the group? Yeah, I think it, it definitely got has. a message across. It definitely has. I, I, I personally, I think just the the way the gaffers uh, been speaking to us and sort of 
the way he's like instilled the confidence in, in the group is, mm. is is definitely starting to show and uh, yeah I mean it, at the minute it's working I mean, we only played one game but uh, there's, there's definitely a lift in the club a good feeling about the place so hopefully uh, long may it continue really and for you personally obviously you had quite a tough start to life at, at QPR <coughs> you picked up injuries in pre-season and Sod's Law your former team started the season absolutely on fire and were topping the division under David Wagner how difficult was that for you because I'm sure you you just wanted to come to QPR you just wanted to play games and you probably moved to QPR expecting them to be featuring above Huddersfield and in the early early stages of the season that wasn't the case yeah, obviously, when I found out about the interest from QPR, straight away I, I just wanted to come because it's just a massive club to me and I've always looked up to a club like QPR and it, it's just a perfect place for me, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I, I couldn't have wanted a better move like, at the time and then I come in and sort of just got injured straight away, uh, which is f really frustrating. Then I got injured again which is even more frustrating and, <laughs> and while I'm getting injured all my old mates are sort of hammering me <laughs> on the WhatsApp group uh, yeah from Huddersfield because they're top of the league and they think they're going to get promoted and win the Champions League and stuff like that <laughs> so, that's how they're talking but um, that's just football at the end of the day I think um, they obviously got to a flyer and all credit to them they've, they've done well I think they've started to slip a bit recently which has made it a lot more easier for me to, <laughs> to see results and that but um, obviously they're my mates and, and I want them to do well so I've got no nothing against Huddersfield or anything it was a fantastic club for me it set me up for the move here which is which is uh, which is what what I wanted but um, yeah hopefully for myself it's just uh, sort of keeping fit keeping fit and um, just playing as many games as I can and improving listening to what the manager and coaches are telling me and just keep trying to improve I think I, I'm 29 but I don't I don't really feel it do you know what I mean mm. in terms of what I what I've learned and what I can sort of learn in the game, I think that I've, if anything, I'm I should really be coming into my prime now these next couple of years, and and I've just come here to improve really and, and to be a much better player. So. It's Ipswich next up on Saturday, another East Anglian club. Um, they're struggling a little bit, lost at home to Nottingham Forest on Saturday tea time. Never an easy place to go though, Portman Road. No, it's always sort of a they almost uh, they almost make it a scrap. Ipswich are always a tough team to play against, like a long ball side. I don't, I haven't really watched them recently, but I don't know if they've changed. But they're always that sort of team where quite direct under Mick McCarthy. Yeah, definitely like a direct side, and um, it's always going to be a tough game. But uh, I think we've definitely got it in a got it in us to to go there and, and get a good result. I think if we have a good week's training and learn a bit more this week from the manager and what we want to do and take it into the weekend, take the confidence with us from the last result and. I definitely think that we can we should we should go there and look to look to get a result and to kick on even more. Interesting Andy there to get the views of Joel Lynch, someone who has, as we said there, suffered a really frustrating time since his arrival at Loftus Road, but he, like his fellow teammates, did really well on Saturday. He was excellent. Um, and what he's just been saying there for the manager in your first game to single you out. What could be better for Joel Stefano. Lynch? <laughs> I'm not sure about De Stefano, but uh, I think, don't think Joel knew who he was, does he? <laughs> a world, he said he had a, to look him up on YouTube. A world great, but uh, no, he did, he, did, he did brilliant. Let's face it, he's had a frustrating time. He's a good player, by the way. Yeah. Good player, he's a leader, he's strong, gives the, the back four or three or five um, balance with his left foot. His left leg, yeah. Has played as a left back at times at Forest and places like that, so he can fit in there, but um, I thought he was excellent. You, you heard him say at half-time he 
he was enjoying the game as a centre back, but sometimes sacrifice for the team. And he did that great second half. He's marauding up and down the wing, a couple of step overs, a couple of great crosses, and uh, that'll do him the world of good. But uh, no, he was excellent. He also made a point in that interview saying that the Ipswich game this weekend will probably be a little bit gritty. Um, he said that Mick McCarthy's teams like to go direct. It's still Mick McCarthy at the moment because there's all talk and speculation over the weekend that him and Alex Neil are in a tussle to see who's going to get fired first in East Anglia because they're both under intense pressure. Um, Ipswich Town, um, Andy Watkins is a side that you expect to play quite direct, as he said, under Mick McCarthy. It'll be a different kind of challenge to the one posed by Norwich on last Saturday. Yeah, I think, I mean, Norwich were wonderful. Their manager was under pressure, supposedly, and I think that's a similar case at Ipswich. Strangely, we've seen to have saved our better performances for, for away from home, I think. So, you know, it, it, like I say, it's, it'll be a tough game. Um, Ipswich aren't in, aren't in great form. Obviously, their manager's under pressure. So, mm. It'll be a tough one. Um, I think it's again, it's one of them where obviously I think the you know the the atmosphere there might be a little bit edgy given their form. So it, you know if we can can keep it tight and not give them anything to to cheer about, then the longer it goes on, it might play into our hands. But you know, as we've seen with with a few away games, I think Cardiff and and Wigan games like that where we've kept it tight and then and then nicked a goal. If we can do the same, and I mean the last game obviously at, at Forest, obviously where, where Jimmy was the manager then, but. You know, we went down to ten men, and um, full. You know, it looked like you know we were going to lose three or four, but we came back, showed great, great resilience, and in the end, got a goal back and, and could have won it. So, yeah, strangely, we've we've actually looked pretty pretty good away from home. So, um, you know, if we can go there and, and do a job, there's no reason why we can't get can't get all three points. You said, Andy, that Alex Neil would have said to his players, "Keep the crowd quiet at Loftus Road on Saturday," because we know that Ipswich's players are under pressure from the faithful. Is the same message? Ollie's going to be giving our players something similar, keep the Ipswich Town fans quiet, get them nervy, get them edgy, and then take full advantage. Well, I think they'll be a little bit quiet and nervy anyway, but Ollie's message, it's, it's quite interesting when you're on that side of the fence. You know, I've been there, you're playing cat and mouse with the opposition, you're trying to counteract what they might do. But we'll go there, uh, buoyed by what we've seen on Saturday, a great result, um, new enthusiasm around the place. We go to a club who... Um, aren't doing particularly great at this moment in time you know sides sometimes I believe reflect the manager Mick's got a great record by the way as a manager wherever he's been mm. but he's he's gritty he's determined I wouldn't say he's doer that's his persona but his teams reflect that but it's up to us and Holly will from today he'll be he'll be talking about Ipswich the mood around there it's important that we don't go there and give them anything to give them a lift when 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 teams or people are down keep them down don't give many lifts, so that first 15, 20 minutes uh, will be key to how the game goes. But um, Olia, as I say, I was impressed with him last week. He's, he says he's got different ways of. What would he have learned? What would he have learned from Norwich? He, he can learn that, you know, his side can go out and play some good attacking football. And he will also have learned, though, that on the flip side of that, that we got incredibly deep and there are things to be learned from that. Well, just like, just like fans, you know, managers uh, see things sometimes that. that that don't open up and see things, but Hon uh, Ollie, what you'll get from me, he, he's honest, and he said on Saturday straight after the game, lots of stuff we got wrong today. No, he didn't didn't hide behind winning and the first 65 minutes. Lots of stuff we got uh, wrong today, but fortunately on Saturday he got more right, and he learned something about his players. Every time they play, every time they come through the door, every time they sit in the canteen, he'll be watching. He's in a quarter past eight day. Where he gets his energy from, I've got no idea. He comes through here quarter past eight, say bound in shaking everyone's hand, his voices, that 
decibel, whatever, you know. And I'm thinking, hang on, it's quarter past eight on a Monday morning. And I said, you can't stop smiling, can you? He went, life makes you smile. So uh, you can see he's just loving being back at a club he loves. And it's, it, believe me, it's not false. It's not false. It's, that comes from the heart. Um, that comes with his passion. But let's not get away from the heart, the passion, what he feels for the club. It's a very clever manager there. There the certainly is a very clever manager. I think the only place to end today's podcast is to talk about the fans because they've suffered a, a tough time of things this season, especially at Loftus Road. But the atmosphere, Andy, on Saturday was, like you said, back to the good old days. It was electric. Oh, it was brilliant. Um, keep saying, I'll say it again for the thousandth time, no better place to play when the team's playing well. Those crowd, uh, those fans, brilliant, are with you. Um, they come to every game wanting to be entertained. As QPR has a tradition, you know, they have a way of playing. They don't come here, to, they don't get off this road to boo or to, to moan. They they want to be buoyed and, as I say, they, they from the start of, or during the whole week, they were great fans. They've got a massive role to play. Ollie will bring them into play. Ollie will bring them into play. Well, he he was dancing with a few of them down by the paddocks <laughs> at full time. So if that's what you mean by bringing them into play, he's already doing it. As I say, your managers, you know, sometimes miss a trick sometimes get those fans with you, you know, almost make them play the game for you. And he's got a great... Is that something that's been lost over the years, that connection, not just at QPR, but because of the big money that's in the game yeah, now, probably. the TV money and the players are on such ridiculous wages, especially in the Premier League. Is that connectivity between manager and fans, players and fans, that's completely changed since your time as a player? Oh, without a doubt. Um, it has lost its way. Why? I don't know, you, you you probably look at the riches in the game now. But if you've got a, a manager or anyone connected to the club who's pulled on the shirt for five years, 150-odd games, 200 games, whatever anyone's played, understand what it is like to, to walk out, to play, to hear those fans, then you've managed the club in difficult circumstances and done well and leave under a little bit of a cloud with what you feel is unfinished business you're going to have some affinity with that football club, those fans. And he said last week he's going to pick up the baton, he's going to run, he's going to run as quick as he can, and he's going to be exhausted. And whoever takes over from him, whenever that may be, will find a club and a team in a far better situation than he finds it when he walks through the door last Friday.